0: When there's no need to pay for 11 players if you just pay for Jordan Shakiri It's That's So <laughs> MLS. Oh. A North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates and Nick Thornton.
1: Hello, hello. A little harsh on the rest of Chicago Fire, but...
0: <laughs> Did you know?
1: Uh, so
0: so we're talking about the, uh, the MLS <clears throat> salaries release. The MLS Players Union Players Association salary release is on Tuesday. Um, That's right. And uh, you know, everybody of course is has uh you know been picking through it and the the eight point one five million in guaranteed compensation as the union calculates it for Jordan Chikiri with Chichorico mm-hmm. second at six and Gonzalo Higuain at five point seven nine. Um Healthy
1: healthy amounts of money.
0: Pozuelo at four point six nine and fifth is Josie Altador at four point two six, who um, everybody always has to put the asterisk next to in this calculation because I guess he's only actually making like, like a little under 2 million. Um, but Toronto, see, uh, paid off his salary. So he's getting the, he paid off his contract, but so he's getting that double dose.
1: That sweet double hit of the good stuff. That's a, it's a healthy amount of money to be making in the, the late stages of your career. Um, So, so the, the, any attempt to like
0: break down like salary balance or anything is totally for, like when it comes to the Chicago Fire is totally foiled when it comes to Shakiri. Um, but I was wondering if I could ask you to guess, um, what percentage of money do you think that Chicago pays its forwards?
1: what percentage of money like in terms of
0: the guaranteed compensation you, that it pays its yeah. players in, in in this salary release when you add it all up how much uh of what,
1: that total figure like what what the percent is that goes to forwards yes 67 uh, percent
0: well so the, here's the trick you want to hear the trick the the the, the trick to this Sure. Jordan Chakir is a midfielder.
1: <laughs> and... okay. All right. Right, right, right. No, that that makes that makes sense. Okay. Well, thank you for giving me that uh um, You are correct. That hint.
0: You are correct though when it comes to midfielders. The the fire do have 67% to their midfielders. You 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 nailed so that. So I got the
1: number right, just in <laughs> the incorrect, not to the I got the the answer right. To the wrong question. You're, the spirit was correct. <laughs> Honestly, that's better than I usually do at math questions. Uh, the, that's that's a so two thirds of Chicago Fire's total salary goes to the midfield, and probably like ninety eight percent of that, sixty seven percent is shakiri is what you're telling me.
0: Yes, the they pay <laughs> they pay their forwards of the salary outlay. The forwards receive. Nine point nine two percent of that money. Okay. Which is the lowest which is the second lowest proportion in MLS. Do you want to guess who the which team has the lowest proportion?
1: For forwards?
0: Yes. Salary salary outlay on players by percentage. On forward players by percentage.
1: Houston? No, not anymore. RSL, Columbus. Oh, oh, I feel like I feel like I saw some discussion about Columbus's salaries, and I I should have should have got that. Because one. Columbus
0: That's... after because this this counts the Zardes transfer away.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So this uh the the money uh the the share of money to the forwarders is a whopping 1.36 percent. It's under 2% of their total salary outlay goes to...
1: uh... If you have it in front of you, and apologies, folks, just hang on with us while we do our (laughs) stats run here. But I'm interested, and I have a question. Can you find... So what's a team in the East that spends a, a a relatively high percent on their forwards?
0: A team in the East that spends a relatively high percent on their forwards? Um... I would I would say from looking at this that relatively high would constitute forty five percent or higher. Um, that would be uh, that would be a, a, a number that would be higher th- a team that that is higher than that. I would say DC.
1: Okay, DC United. That's forty seven
0: point two nine percent. Spends...
1: Interesting. Do you want to hear something fun then? This will mostly be real uh, maddening to D.C. United fans. So Columbus (laughs) is 10th in the East, and I'm looking at goals four, and they have 15 goals. D.C., 14 goals. Oh, no! So D.C. United has one fewer goal (laughs) to show for it than Columbus, who's spending presumably monstrously less. Not that, you know, either team has necessarily been crushing it as of late, but... That's it's always so interesting to me about the the salary guide, because at first when it usually comes out, I'm kind of like, I don't really know what I'm looking for. Like, I don't know what story this is going to tell me. But once you start digging a little bit deeper into it and then sort of looking at results and where people stand and things like goals for and goals against, obviously, at this point, that only tells us so much with. Uh, what, we're 12 games in. Um, but it is interesting, So I think sometimes people get really hung up on the amount of money, but it's not necessarily always good return for that money. No. Just because another club who spends the same amount is good. Um, that's the, that's... Clearly, spending money on your forward players is overall a good strategy, still.
0: That's the point that uh, is made by The Athletic in their story on this. Um, from which I, I got the the salary proportion calculations um mm-hmm. they have a whole subhead that's just biggest earners not performing ah unfortunately this this section doesn't like have a lot of statistical analysis for everything but but it's basically like uh Shakiri has uh two goals and nine appearances which is like not maybe the best, but I guess he's just got here um Iguain is, like, basically out of the starting lineup at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and despite recent, uh, I don't know if you'd even call them fortunes for Chicago, you know, yeah, they're sitting dead last in the East, and Miami is not that much further ahead of them, so. That's how she goes sometimes. Um yeah, it's been a minute since we've talked and there's been a hell of a lot of footy going on. And one of the big things that we has sort of fallen into the background and maybe faded into people's memory is, of course, the Champions League final.
0: The Champions League final. That was fun. I had a good time with that.
1: I had a lot of fun. Like, obviously, contractually, I have to hate Seattle. (laughs) But it's kind of fun in, like, one instance where you're allowed to sort of cheer for them, like, with nothing attached to it. Of course, if they had lost, I would have been like, that's fine. But it's hard to deny that, you know, with their stadium packed to the rafters and, you know, the, the celebrations that they're just waiting to have, it brings a certain atmosphere to a game, even on TV, that you're just you know you, you don't get enough
0: of that that's true and i i, I think that the atmosphere was really great that the the fans there were clearly up for it the seattle had you know invested i think a lot of 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 promotion into making sure that this was not a uh, this was not a abandoned midweek game as it were yeah or or you know a a, a you know something that had somewhat less they, i think they broke their record um Are they Which, and, you know, the game itself um, was kind of... uh, The game itself, you know, after having the 2-2 away leg um, against Pumas in Mexico, the, you know, Seattle really um, capitalized on that advantage of of playing at home for the, the second leg.
1: Absolutely. And, I mean... It's not that Pumas didn't have bright spots, but this game really did feel like Seattle was in control for much of it. The the final ball and an ability to put it in the back of the net wasn't always there, but they were certainly getting dangerous balls in. They were getting runs in behind the defenders, and Pumas looked pretty, I would say, just a little bit behind the pace of the game for long stretches. Um, it wasn't a complete run over or anything. Pumas played well. Um, but ultimately, it just sort of felt like vintage Seattle and almost, I mean, I, I kind of felt like once we were 30 minutes in, it felt like it was just inevitable that Seattle was going to find goals. Um, and defensively, they they certainly did the work. But it wasn't without <laughs> a high cost. Oh, yeah. Um, due to the injuries, of course, João Paulo is now out for the entire season. Um, with the ACL tear. Um, Nuhu was also injured, although I think, I don't, I can't remember what the result of that injury was. Uh, but that was sort of the, I think the thing that added some drama to this game is that it felt like it was in Seattle's favor, but also, I think it was only 22 minutes in or something like that. They're missing two key starting players through injury. Um, and having to bring on a 16-year-old to fill your spot was certainly not, I think in Brian Schmetzer's original game plan.
0: I think that there was like you know that that the the story of that was also, um, was was also played played into such a huge part of of like, especially since you know that first half the the away leg did not start necessarily like well Seattle came back to to tie yeah. but. But you know, you look at that, you think of the idea of of missing those players, and you think, ah, oh, maybe this is gonna go rough for us. You, yeah. if you're a Seattle, uh, if you're a Seattle supporter. Um, but like you said, it kind of like reminds me of that timing of being able to hold on and 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 not, uh, not just be able to remain, you know, mentally tough the whole time, but you know go in there with the idea of trying to punish the other team late, trying to exploit the other team's um, potential um, you know, lapses in concentration.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it certainly had its nervy moments. Um, it certainly looked at times the defending was a little bit desperate, but I, as I was sort of watching it, I put in my notes, I'm like, but that's probably going to be what it takes, right? <laughs> like, if I was playing Pumas in a... Champions League final I'm probably going to be playing a, defending a little bit desperately as well and really flying in on some some tackles but I felt like overall every player to like down through the the depth chart just defended with the sword between their teeth and just went for it um, and you know it wasn't always perfect soccer but it's Seattle Sounders you know if you can hang on, defend as a team and get the ball to Rui diaz he'll take care of it for you i have uh
0: i have three questions for you and and some of them are Ooh. some of them are kind of like i'm not necessarily trying to be you know um <laughs> contrarian but okay first question did this live up uh-huh. to the branding we've we we talk about it all the time does this does, does this occasion live up to the branding champions league for you like like in terms of being a showpiece a uh, showpiece occasion being a great match um to watch for a neutral how did this how did this feel to you
1: it felt to me personally fantastic i think it lived up to the billing and i think you know what was it 72,000 people who were in attendance definitely did
0: um second question so um, as you know as you know I do uh, support Tottenham Hotspur one of my first you know big soccer memories when I started you know supporting in in 2008 was mm-hmm. them winning the the league cup um right. which is like an amazing experience and then they absolutely stunk it up for the rest of the season and if I recall the manager was out at the end of the season if not the next season after that um mm-hmm. does. And, and the year after TFC, you know, won their, uh, I believe the, the, the year they won the, the second title, um, they went all the way to the final of this, of this competition, um, lost. And then I think had a really rough year after that. Um, mm. will this, will, will putting so much energy into this midseason, into, into a final in the midseason, Um, but also being able to win that, uh, will that be a positive or negative for Seattle in the long run of of this year?
1: Of this year, if we're talking their fate in MLS, probably a little bit negatively. Now, they've since come back into MLS, and I think they've played at least two games um, and had decent results. Um, Losing Paulo is a big blow doesn't matter whether you win, lose, or, you know, what's coming up. That, that sucks. That's uh, the type of talent that you can't just replace easily. Um, but uh, th- to answer your question, yes, I think, I think it's going to be a negative thing. But do I think Brian Schmetzer, the Seattle Sounders, care? No, I think they, they went in with a very clear intention of throwing absolutely everything at the Champions League. Because at the end of the day, let's they'll probably make the playoffs. And if they get knocked out in the first round, no one's going to be like, well, that sucked. I mean, someone's going to probably Sounders fans, but (laughs) sorry guys. We love you too. Um, But I, I think that if there's a team that can continue on and has a long-term vision with a long-term coach, it's Seattle Sounders, right? Like, they can afford to dip um, without it being something that really throws them into an existential crisis. And we saw the evidence of that by having two, you know, uh, benched players have to come on and step in in a big moment against a fantastic team in a final with very little experience and perform really well because they know the system, they know the positioning. And I think that that's going to serve Seattle well. So you know, probably they'll make the playoffs. They've got definitely a lot of work to do, but they've also got games in hand, and it's it's the Sounders. Like I, I just think they're a different pedigree of MLS team. So, yeah, there might be a bit of a dip though. Second, third question,
0: and and the, 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 the final, answer the world. final of my three. It, it, it was yeah. a, that was a good answer. I think you covered all the bases. Um, Thank you. The does the history making angle of of this being you know the first time in the in the Concacaf Champions League era of branding um yeah. that an MLS team has won and and certainly the, the 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 defeat of a Mexican team in the final does that I know that we are both people who run an MLS set you know a a, a somewhat neutral perspective MLS podcast so I know we're not necessarily like you know Joe fan but like does this matter as much as soccer media plays it
1: out to be? This one, I'm not sure. I mean, part of me wants to say yes and just buy into all the hype and be excited. I think the thing that was happening in U.S. soccer to get Seattle to this point was probably happening anyway the but that's also that's not just about performances that's that's about attention and it's also about branding and advertising so i mean yes it is obviously historic and important and i think for mls they needed to get the monkey off their back like it was it was the thing that we all needed to happen because I think everybody there's been plenty of opportunities and plenty of chances but we've never quite been able to do it. And people would argue like there is no weed and like <laughs> there, but I would say for you and I like as broad somewhat neutral fans of MLS of course it's good for the league. Um and it will ultimately attract more and better players to MLS and and so Ultimately, I think that's probably MLS's goal, and it, we as fans also want to see, you know, ever increasing quality coming to MLS and interested in MLS, and this will help do that. Um, did MLS need to be legitimized by an MLS team winning Concacaf Champions League? No, I don't think so at this point, but it it still does that, I guess.
0: I think that um, I was like, I was like you, I was excited um in the, in the day or two after that i i started to be a little bit skeptical if only because like is with the idea like is this something that matters more to people who think about this kind of thing all the time you and, know and, and opine about the you know the relative strengths and what could happen next like like do you have to do do you have to have molded your brain in that way to have this for this to have this impact um while most people are not MLS fans and, and have it invested in that same way, I do think that it is, that there is, there is a real impact for it. Um In, in, in terms of like, at least especially more in the American context where I think, you know, MLS had, had historically been seen as like, you know, a project to help the, American national team and, and the state yeah. of the game in the States more, uh, more broadly that there is, that there's sort of like, you know, a soccer cultural feeling of, of, of triumph in that. Um, I also think that just the historical, you know, somebody that has been, you know, covering the league from a point where it was a lot, like you said, that, that, that wave had been building up from a very early point in time. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's going to feel really significant, and I can, I could see why, on why that would matter, and I don't necessarily think it's just a, a, a branding point. I do. I was a little skeptical at one point. I tried to, I tried to interrogate it to make sure that it, the, the hype was warranted. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I mean, you got to do your due diligence, right? And yeah,
0: I think that the moment that matters, and. and Sometimes this is a branding exercise, and I don't know we won't really know until it happened, but I think there's going to be a real I don't know I guess the the club world Cup the visibility of the club world Cup is always like fifty fifty but I think it's hard not to feel like there's going to be a real um strong moment, a real eye opening moment. When an MLS team playing in the Cup World Cup plays the winner of the UEFA Champions League in a, an honest-to-God match
1: yeah, for the first time ever, yeah. whoever
0: whoever that may be. I think that, you know, that that's, the, that's sort of the dream moment, you know? Is sure. To well, think- it's
1: obviously going to be San Jose Earthquakes and Real Madrid. We know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll finish 9-9. Nine
0: I mean, the other. I think that, you know, there's a, MLS teams get to play European teams and friendlies. That's so not necessarily the be all end all, but I think that yeah. they're, you know, I remember to the early days of the Whitecaps where they were trying to really push that as like, you know, our, our way to become like a globally recognized team. And of course the Whitecaps have not, uh not followed that road.
1: <laughs> no, but we will be forever famous for being the beginning of the end for Balotelli at Manchester City when he tried that uh backheeled goal that just went wide.
0: <laughs> oh no.
1: Good times. That's a throwback for you. <laughs> uh. Um but and there's also been a a ton of games as well. Um so let's check in on the league itself
0: yeah um well i i had the uh the beaming the the games into my my eyeballs experience um which was pretty good there have been a, there would have been some bangers in the last uh in the last couple of uh of match days this was one of the ones where there was kind of like a a a mini match week you know they still call it a week. They still call it a match week, even though it basically
1: continue completely. It's just one. <laughs> it's all on Wednesday. It's
0: all on Wednesday. Um, I had I think that the biggest eye opener, um, and 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 maybe like a good place to start in terms of a talking point. Yeah, is the seven two Portland Kansas City game
1: from right? Yeah, from the um from the Saturday previous.
0: Yeah, May fourteenth.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the one we got. let's start there. I mean, a nine-goal game is worth talking about. <laughs> um, the the game that I wish I had just written down the quotes, but I mean, Johnny Russell being interviewed about this game was none too pleased and spoke quite freely about it, and basically just said like it was a complete embarrassment. And you know, for the life of me, like I've actually watched the highlights a few times just to be like what am I missing here? <laughs> like, how are they just so bad in this game against a Portland Timbers side that has struggled immensely? And I still don't really have an answer to that. Um, it, it's just complete chaos from Kansas City and their their shape is all over the place, but also just nobody at any point seems to really be bothered with defending and certainly not in any kind of organized way. Um, No, the best thing you can say for Kansas city is they somehow got two goals out of this game. But I mean, otherwise it was just, it was flat and they just did not look up to it.
0: As a whitecaps game shell shocked by Kansas city six whitecaps one a couple of years ago, you know, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it nice to get it back in the other direction? How does it feel, guys? But I just think that, like, on um, the the thing that's been such a surprise, in, and I'm not necessarily, you know, calling for anything here, but you know, one of the th- when you talk about organization, when you talk about defensive efficiency, those are usually hallmarks of a Peter Verbees team, and I think that we have have talked a little bit in past issues, the episodes that there have been some some worrying signs before this for the the uh Kansas City defense but that one I don't know which exact goal it was um but the one where uh like essentially a defender collides with Melia and kicks it past Melia yeah um that sucks that like yeah, like 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 there's you know there's it it's not your day. There's all kinds of like you know yeah uh, you're playing against a great opponent. I think that like um you know we, I started this by talking about the defense. Sebastian Blanco had an amazing game. Um,
1: yeah, no, and and that should that's definitely like let the record show. Sebastian Blanco had a fantastic game. And will undo defenses, but he didn't score or assist all seven of them.
0: Am I maybe thinking of a? Of, I may be thinking of one for the next week because that could be. I I didn't write down which one it was, but like, there was in in either the midweek game or the Portland game, there was just a a a total miscommunication, um,
1: nonsense goal. I mean, I think there were a couple in this game. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we've asked the question about Peter Vermees a couple of times, and this isn't the first time in recent memory where he's kind of been in hot water or... Well, I wouldn't even say he's really been in hot water, but just that there's been extra attention paid to his long tenure at SKC. Um, I, I think given the fact that he's been there for so long and continues to stick to a particular system, I I think some of this may be on the players a little bit. Um, And if we just had that 7-2 game, I probably wouldn't say that as much. But in the follow-up game, um, the most recent one against Colorado, which Kansas City did win. Credit to them. They did win. Also had two players sent off uh, for violent conduct. Colorado also had two players sent off for violent conduct. Amazingly, I agree with all four red cards here. Like you just cannot do any of the shit that these players did. Um, however, it it also showed for me like a real lack of discipline. There was also, I believe, a red card to them in the fairly early on in the the Portland route as well. And we've talked about this discipline issue and. You know it to me doesn't seem like that's in Vermese's game plan is yeah he's a gritty coach but like his team is pass and move and countering attack counterattacking and defensively solid this isn't a team that is going out looking for a fight but the discipline issues have really added up and and hurt them and I think it certainly lent itself to the embarrassing performance against Portland
0: it's actually the cult um, having to Sorry, having to. No, go ahead. I was going to say uh, that, that this was the game where uh, where I saw that miscommunication between Melia and Estevan. Mm. But you said you were saying having
1: to having to play so much of the uh, the match against Portland demand man down. Because I believe that red card was fairly early on in the match.
0: So there was this was another weird one where um, the red card was on the red card in the Portland game was oh no, actually was in the 78th minute. Was at, and in Portland actually had, <coughs> had conceded
1: a red card first. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Because Van Rankin got sent off again. Things, Not again in the same game, but again this season. <laughs>
0: things kind of things kind of calmed down by that point. The the uh, you know the Sebastian Blanco tornado had uh, had come to a, had come to a a, a a slow
1: stop. That's right. There were only only two goals following the Van Rankin red card. <laughs> hey, at that at that.
0: Uh, <laughs> At that rate that they were scoring, you know, Blanco on forty six, Blanco on fifty two, uh, uh with on fifty six with a Blanco assist, and again on sixty nine with a, a Blanco assist.
1: Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, it. Pardon. I was just gonna say, like, obviously, that's a thing Sebastian Blanco can do to teams being that devastatingly effective. I mean, th- this is also, he was helped out immensely by Kansas City just being all over the place. And and again, just like there was no effort. There was no effort to close anyone down. The, the marking was, it was just too easy. I mean, Kansas City just sat there, just stood there watching as Portland ran rings around them for <laughs> the better part of 20 minutes. And when it was done, it was like, all right. Well, how are we gonna get ourselves back into this one?
0: Yeah. Um. I was gonna say that I thought that like that, you know, the goals in this game from Kansas City, um, and the goals against Colorado show that they, like, are having an ability to score some. Um, their goals for it is actually the you know the the tied with two other teams is the joint lowest in the conference. Um. Yeah. So maybe I. Maybe I shouldn't be so hasty for that, but I do think um I do think they have an attack that can work. I don't necessarily think that that's in any it's it's not necessarily a scenario where everything is going wrong.
1: No, and you know, we've seen flashes from Shalloway. It's just that's why it's all the more disappointing to me to see in this game against Colorado him just lash out and kick the feet out from underneath a player in retaliation for something he thought he saw earlier to get sent off. Because here you are, about to beat Colorado, you know, a conference rival that's doing significantly better than you are, and now you're going to miss, as the star striker that's not been really performing that well this season, you're now missing the next match. Um against san jose so we'll see (laughs) we'll see who which version of which team shows up on the day but i don't think kansas city's doing themselves any favors when sure they're maybe grinding out a point or a result here or there um but if your star players and and your key players are missing games through discipline issues then that adds up and it makes it really really hard to climb out of the basement. Um,
0: Portland still under the, uh, in this, in this, you know, early point of the play in the season, still under the playoff line. Um, that's right. Climbing up.
1: Um, most recently they lost to San Jose 3-2. I will say for Portland, like they seem to be into the, like, they found the goal scoring part. They just haven't been able to get the, uh... <laughs> Closed the door behind them, as it were.
0: That's the difference between this and, and, you know, Vancouver or you know, Kansas City six, Vancouver one is that you know, Kansas City got some offense in this. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't just a squash.
1: No, and I, I didn't feel like it was just one of those things where like Portland committed everyone forward. It, it was, you know, two, two goals that could have happened in any game that i think portland also could have defended a little better as well um so it's not i wouldn't say it's all been perfect for them either although you know they're sitting 10th in the west they're they're not out of it by any stretch what's a game that caught your attention um a game that caught my attention was this new york chicago game oh yeah yeah uh, I sort of knew it was going on right as the uh, as I was getting invested in the Whitecaps win. Um, and so I had to sort of go back and, and be like, what went on <laughs> there exactly? And initially I was like, well, that's good for Chicago to get a point against Red Bulls. Um, but then watching the game, there's... So it finished 3-3, but there's just some real interesting goalkeeping techniques that went on here um, <laughs> and i don't want to be too harsh on the young goalkeeper um nina but well there was two two of these needed to be saves and weren't um and this should have been three points for chicago but there was some fight and also it caught my eye because of course uh we got to see the return of chris mueller who i believe played the game before as well but that was kind of a surprise storyline to me as well. I was not expecting that we were going to see Chris Mueller back in MLS, at least not so soon. Um, but Chicago Fire got the homegrown... Uh, the It's his hometown. I don't know if it was his home club or he, if he was in the academy. I probably should have looked that up. But um, it's great to see him back in the league. It's great to see some fight from Chicago. Uh, some mistakes. But look, if you're going to make mistakes, two Red Bulls away... And you still come away with a point. I think there's a lot of really good clubs in the East that would be very happy with that result.
0: Yeah, um, I wonder how much how much does it affect you? Like you say, the fact that it that it uh, that the last goal is New York's, and, and that you know they they conceded so soon after uh, winning that late lead in terms of your 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 disappointment calculation.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's not great. (laughs) Especially Shakiri scores in the 89th minute and then Klamala scores in the 91st. Like, that's... To be winning the game for, you know, all of 70 seconds isn't amazing. But for a Chicago side that's been struggling and especially struggling to score, they've only done it 11 times this season. Of course, three of those goals were against Red Bulls. Um... I I still think it's a positive. Now, I'm talking about a team that's dead last in the East and only won two games, but you've got to start somewhere, and I feel like Chicago has made the right kinds of investments, and it's easy for us to look at Shaqiri and talk about him as uh, a very highly paid player, and we haven't necessarily seen the returns just yet, but that's true of just about every player in in his range. That's the Um, beautiful—sorry— I was just going to say, like, it's going to take a little bit of time. And and certainly, Shakiri is adjusting. And it was good to see him. I I think he's been much more sure on his feet and a bit stronger and adjusting to the physical nature of MLS and been a bit more of a presence. And that was what he was brought there to do. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm clutching at straws here. But I I don't write Chicago off.
0: I don't write Chicago or Shakiri off. I think that... That, like, the, the, the one of the beautiful things about MLS, the great leveler ever since you know, um, David Beckham arrived to you know, inspire the designated player rule, um, yeah, is that like high spending on a club and on a player does pay off for a team eventually in the long run. A good team is a good team, um, but uh, but if you without with 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 only a couple of exceptions if you go and and splash cash out on an uh a big top level player or you or you make a a bunch of you know additions to try and come up with a super team it takes you know it's a it's a team game sock this is true everywhere but in mls i really think that you need a season or two to really sort of get it get into it um Wayne Rooney, I oh, felt, was an exception. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, is it is it a hot take to say that he wasn't, even though he scored a bunch of goals?
1: Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's that hot of a take. I mean, uh, the thing that works in Chicago's favor as well is obviously bringing in a player like Chris Mueller yeah. at this point in the season, and to see him slot in right away, and he fits the system, he's linking up with Shakiri like, immediately making an impact. She created... Also, they haven't lost that many games. Like, okay, they've lost five. But, like, a lot of teams above the playoff line... Well, not a lot. But, like, Montreal and Orlando have each lost four. So, it for me, it's Chicago has struggled to score goals, and so they haven't won a lot of games. But they haven't lost a ton either, and so I think that makes it a little easier for them that... You know, a few wins and all of a sudden they're going to be sitting ninth or tenth. Um, I loved
0: Mueller's snap shot. The goal was, uh, was very, for him was great there. Um, Shakiri's corner, uh, set up a, set up a, a, a hitter to the goal that I think that was a big contribution. It was very funny. Um, that the goal that Shakiri actually scored where it was just like a Red Bull defender was trying to carve out the ball and like, was lying on the ground and just looked up and it's like, oh my God, he's standing right next to me. <laughs> I can't. It's like a horror movie nightmare. Yeah.
1: You, you, the face, the face appears in the, dark.
0: <laughs> but you know, I'm sure that I'm sure defenders have that kind of, uh, dream in their worst moments. But I'll also one of one of my the slickest players in this match to me was Clint Alla for New York, who scored the 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 second New York goal on a back pass, and scored the third New York goal on a side foot that was just so silky smooth.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean that that's again where I'm like, given the opponent here, I didn't think the Red Bulls had the the greatest game overall. But their quality obviously shone through, and they were able to get something out of this one. So again, I think it's like Chicago wasn't perfect by any stretch, but I thought they held their own against a New York side, and uh, yeah, could have could have gone another way, uh, another day.
0: Um, I felt that I. I thought that it was very impressive. Well, no, I, I mean, very impressive. Uh, I know LAFC, you know, are trying to. I guess, I guess, Austin LAFC was, thanks to Vancouver beating Dallas. That's uh, we now see Austin LAFC as a as a as a one versus two game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that. It wasn't that uh, in the week it happened. I don't think. Um, but uh, you know. Austin being able to uh, go away to Bank of California Stadium and and um, score two good goals um, yeah. really seemed to confound Maxime Kripo. Sorry, Max.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking that, too. I mean, good goals, but I did definitely feel like at least one of those was savable. I think maybe there is a bit of a screen, but I, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed necessarily like that would have been a a thing that kind of sunk them in this game and there's been this kind of like weird narrative that i think is just mostly people ribbing and having fun and then other people witnessing and being like mls doesn't rate austin highly enough and they don't believe and austin's defying all these odds but i'm like austin has been pretty consistently solid since the beginning of the season and they were good last season i don't think like, are there really that many doubters? I think the point has been made that Austin has struggled at times against, you know, bigger, better clubs. Um, but clearly the foundations have always been there. And so I, I don't know. I'm not surprised at all that they're sitting first. And I'm not necessarily surprised they beat LAFC either, who've defensively not always quite been there. Um Austin's kind of the total package right now in the West. Maybe it's 25 goals for 12 goals against like that'll, that'll get you to first.
0: Maybe it's part of our, like, you know, the, the MLS 2.0, 3.0, what have you expectations for expansion teams. Um, But like, I don't expect Austin to not do well, you know, like, I felt that last year, if you want to talk about doubters, like people doubted Colorado because they would, you know, constantly be like, oh, what are they doing here at the top of the table? Um, Like that's a doubter situation. I would argue, and maybe this is even a touch unfair, but like I would argue that Austin being where they're at is, you know, mildly outperforming expectations
1: I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I I think the expectations were fairly realistic. And one of of the things that you and I have talked about when um, Austin first came into the league was they've built a really solid roster around a lot of longstanding, somewhat underrated and some well-rated MLS experience. And then they've gone out and put pieces around that that make sense. It's... Remarkably simple in its approach, but it's devastatingly effective. Um, And it means that their depth isn't just, you know, a smattering of academy players and then a couple of well-traveled MLS veterans. Their depth is really strong. (laughs) Uh, You know, it helps to have a player like Druisi on your side. But also, they've got a really strong squad from the back to the front. And, like... Yeah, they're they're a good solid side.
0: When you talk about the the you know which which players are value for money, um, according to that athletic analysis, they were talking about like you know Diego Diego Fagundes makes seven hundred thousand. Yeah, he's he would be the the, the a stalwart in, in any lineup. Sure,
1: I'd pay him a million easy to do the same job. <laughs>
0: Um in over in the Eastern Conference, um I think that it's been one of the surprises and if you want to talk about doubters in terms of the the um the top, Montreal have now uh navigated their way into third. They had that win um over Charlotte and uh yeah. they lost a AIDS a, Nashville, but um you have to say that it's been going quite well.
1: Absolutely. You know, Montreal has their difficulties and defensive weaknesses, but overall the product is there. I think the question for me about Montreal is kind of like, where's the ceiling? Or or maybe a better question is, if you're a Montreal fan, like, how do you address some of the defensive issues that continue to crop up that keep them from being first? Um because they have had a really good run, and I don't want to take the sheen off of that. They were just beaten by Nashville, which is like, you know, that that can happen. But that's, you know, a team that is in has been in a comparable place in the West. They're sixth in the West. They're obviously a really strong defensive side as well. And Montreal still kind of struggles in some of those big games, but they're winning the games that they need to win, and they're also winning against some some great teams as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's going ultimately pretty well for them. One standout for me was that in this most recent loss, I, and I've sort of n- not mentioned anything too much about Lapaline up to this point, because I was like, I don't, I don't want to just single out like one or two bad performances, but for me, he's just been all over the place and, and not particularly switched on to things, um, which is too bad because I think he's a player that showed so much promise and is so productive for Montreal when he's playing well. And it it's not been great from him, but, you know, third in the East, um, scoring lots of goals, finding ways to win games. Uh, you know, Montreal is definitely, I think, silencing a, a lot of critics with their performances.
0: <laughs> um, the... The correction for me is uh, Fagundes is actually on four hundred thousand. It's they're uh, four hundred fifty thousand. Sorry, it's it's Georgi Mihailovic who's on seven hundred fifty one thousand, hmm. who is the currently in the team lead with six goals for Montreal. Yeah, all
1: right. I don't know. I feel like those are both fine wages to pay both of those players. That's right. So I'd pay Fagundes a little bit more, but he, you know, older. He's a domestic player, right? I think he... Do you know what the, from yeah. the, from this,
0: you know, overperforming their salary number is like the wildest number to me? Who's that? Taddy Castellanos makes 1.08 million in the union's guaranteed salary, uh, calculation.
1: What's, is there like a billion dollars in add-ons or something?
0: I don't know. He's the, he's the guy, you know, like. He's...
1: He's the, yeah, he is the guy I do know. (laughs) I know all about our friend Tati and his goal-scoring boots. Man, that is great return on investment. I mean, I'm sure he's made more in previous seasons. Like, he's getting a little bit older, and I guess that that makes some sense. But, man, huh.
0: He had the uh, the goal in the Week 11 uh, match at the weekend over Columbus. Where they beat uh, New York City beat Columbus 2 0. Um also had that uh the Panenka penalty to, to get the two nothing over uh, DC midweek.
1: Dirty. <laughs> but acceptable.
0: We talked about uh Montreal, they went to Nashville to open uh how do you pronounce that?
1: G- Geodis, Geodis, Geodat,
0: <laughs> Geodis, Geodat. Where are you going? Where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it's not my favorite name for a park, but sure, it's it's a great stadium. It looks amazing. I would love to go to a game there one day. But I, I mean, I think we can all just agree that most soccer stadium names are are dumb on a good day. Um, but G- Geodis is up there with like uh what was it like Lower.com or something field <laughs> it's it's a it's an uncomfortable it's an un, it's sort of like an
0: uncomfortable level where um i think that mls does offer real value for a brand that needs to that needs to grow its awareness you know what i mean like that the, um a name sponsorship like like seems to uh seems to in mls do, does i think at least you know, for me, like, have some sort of impact. You know, I would have never, um, I would have never known about dignity health.
1: Sure, had I not. It's how I learn about American insurance companies and U.S. transport logistics and supply chain management chains, which Geodis apparently
0: is. So they or, or Lumen, I know Lumen was. Lumen. I know Lumen was the was the company. It was the same. It was the same. Like, I think Lumen is just re- CenturyLink renamed um but it's kind of like it's kind of a funny thing because brands have something to really gain from from sponsoring with mls and and doing name sponsorships with mls but as a result it's the brands who are not already super famous (laughs) that are on it so then you kind of have like well i I guess you have your mercedes-benz stadium but like you know, but sometimes you can you can find yourself, you know, doing that comparison where like it's like, oh, is this this is uh such a weird brand like lower dot com or something like that.
1: Yeah, but it's not any like sillier than any brand on a building. Necessarily. I'm just dreading Which...
0: I'm just dreading when we get the first I mean, the the first crypto based stadium name.
1: God well I crypto might hopefully wipe itself That's out true. socios soci- Do, doge doge field could work socios.com
0: um, socios.com is on the the new England revolution um trade ground and they had um rolled out I think in the last like week or two their like league sponsorship which like for total MLS press releases that come out and in purport to be Vancouver Whitecaps have agreed a deal with socios.com. It's totally nothing to do with the fact that it's everywhere in the league now. Um, I went through that press release. Uh, the, the first time in the 10 or the first time in the, the, the 10 or 12 paragraph press release that any terminology appears related to cryptocurrency is like second from the end. The whole time they're like, oh. like, innovative fan engagement strategies. And then, like, at the very end, you're like, fan tokens. <laughs> like, strictly speaking, what they're doing there is not too much different than, like, what the CPL app is. It's just that right. you have to pay real money to be able to do it. To You have to pay real money to buy fake money.
1: Yeah. Which... Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> Remember when you just used to pay real money for <laughs> a real game? <laughs> However, I guess if you're the white caps and you struggle to win games, then being able to purchase players <laughs> and just imagine it yourself is not the worst thing to offer to fans. No. Uh,
0: like, you know, I watched the, the YouTube show Checkpoint. Whenever they talk about this in video games, it's just like, why did this have to be blockchain? It didn't. It didn't have to. The, the, none of this functionality requires this to work, anyway. Sorry, sorry for the diversion, but but I had to get my <laughs> I had to get my ranting about socios somewhere, and, and now is the time to do it. It seems
1: I wouldn't have necessarily pegged that cryptocurrency like irritated you more than me, but now that we've gotten there, <laughs> it does sort of track. And I also don't disagree with anything that you've said. <laughs> It's just nice to kind of get to sit back and listen to a rant for once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, and we, I guess we should also say, like, Vancouver did beat Dallas. That that game happened.
0: That was um, fun. Two good yeah. games for the Whitecaps. Um, the the San Jose one was was wild to me. I had to take off for the second and a half, and I sort of like looked down at my phone. I am like, oh, San Jose scored. That sucked. And then like t- thirty minutes later, I looked at my phone again, and I was like, what? Well, sorry what
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's been a quietly not terrible sort of run of games for vancouver giving up lots of goals but getting points they did beat a cpl type team finally oh geez um they beat Fowler to right. two, two nil I, I think you know not to take any of the sheen off of it but despite what i believe is two win two league wins and a draw they are still dead last in the west and have given up 21 goals so it's not quite writing the ship just yet i felt like the toronto win was rather fortuitous shall we say um am i thinking of the right game that was a while ago now um but the yes yeah the game against toronto that seemed like that could have gone a different way Vancouver seems to be benefiting from a, a few calls that are going their way. I don't think the PK that was given <laughs> against Dallas. I don't think it's the most egregious one. Do I think it's like an out and out penalty? No. But does that kind of shit get get called for PK in MLS all the time? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. But if you're a Dallas fan tearing your hair out over, you know, a gifted. 3 points to Vancouver. I understand. <laughs> it's not a great it's, it's not a great one, but I think if we also saw around the league similar PKs where you're tackling a player from behind, you make contact in the box, an MLS ref is going to give that a good chunk of the time.
0: Yeah. Um I think you that know? the the point you you mentioned about the table, um I think just reflects the fact that uh we are starting to get luckily the white cast form is coming up at the at the time that this is happening um but i think that every time in a season you see some you start to see some real um response from teams that that started slowly to go oh jeez we got to pick this we got to pick this one up you know the yeah. the the Portlands and Seattles of the world be like, Oh, we gotta get we gotta get out of the bottom half of this table, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we better serve winning some games. Um It's true. Yeah. So 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 you have to match not only do you have to get better, but you have to match their improvement at the same time.
1: Well, and and that's been a chronic problem for the Whitecaps to get out of that we've, we've revisited a number of times. That they struggle, they improve o- over themselves year after year most of the time. But compared to the competition, I mean, some of the teams above them, Kansas City, San Jose, Seattle, Portland, uh, Minnesota to a certain degree as well. Like all those teams have been struggling and giving up goals. Um, Seattle obviously has been a little preoccupied and they've got a couple of games in hand. So maybe we can remove them from that. But to be suddenly switched on and performing and still (laughs) down at the bottom as the teams above you have also been struggling, like, there's been opportunities for points that the Whitecaps have really just thrown away. And my only worry is that, you know, beating a team like Dallas looks and sounds really good and it can only do wonders for the motivation, but... Um, all the same problems persist and and we saw Sartini get frustrated and kick a water bottle at his bench over it that it's just silly giveaway on a um a throw in that results in the first Dallas goal and it's It's that kind of thing where even when the white caps are coming out triumphant, we're still seeing it. I think largely as a, the other team is just not playing as well, or something kind of goes Vancouver's way. It's it it's helpful, but I don't I don't think this side is as strong as their recent performances have have demonstrated. However, you got again you got to start somewhere, and a, a win against Dallas is is not going to hurt their confidence.
0: There's some additions coming, which uh, which honestly right. I didn't. I didn't quite
1: expect, uh, in terms, you know, this
0: is a side that's already been, um, tried its hardest to, to, there's been, there, this is a, this is a middle of the pack salary team now, which, which I, I don't think that you could always said. Um, and the, the signings also seem to be like, mostly decent which i also don't think they have always had <laughs> that's always been true yeah um but yeah they've 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 signed i understand that yet again we're we're looking at it potential you know having to iron out the visa wrinkles on andres cubas who came from,
1: from I Nimes. believe i believe a visa may have come and there's maybe a work permit that we're now waiting for but right yes yeah. and so they've
0: they've got that uh you know uh a a lot of expectations um for that uh Paraguayan uh defensive midfielder who'd been playing in France um there's also louis martins the left back who uh who who played for former SKc man. that's right um is coming so it's nice to have a He'll he'll be at left back, adding to adding to the the, um, you know the, what I think is a competitive, you know, uh, death chart at that position.
1: Yeah, reasonably, <laughs> I don't know that Gutiérrez, I... uh, right? Defensive... Like we've got a yeah. I guess I mean, I mean we've got goody... a guy. I
0: guess is what is more what I mean by that, but
1: that's true. We now have a couple of options, and and I will take that. Um, But of course, Vancouver's coming up to play Charlotte next, then SKC, then RSL, then Seattle. I think the next three games, I mean, they need at least six points out of those, the next three um, to to really have any hope of of staying into things, because things are just going to get harder from there. Um, There's after that looking ahead sort of into june july new england lafc minnesota cincinnati has been playing well um you know there's there's a lot of competition around the league and and vancouver needs to find something of and keep this form going and and prove that they can really get a like a commanding win under their own steam to to keep things going because it it's good the recent run of performances it's it's good but it's still just giving up so many goals <laughs> so many goals
0: okay. you know you really uh you you provide the the happy experience toronto did not necessarily have the happiest weekend i don't think they played during the week but they had that uh that game at bmo field that was um shaping up to be uh a guarded variety, nil-nil draw before Orlando scored in added time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that was one where I was, I was a bit surprised. Orlando's levels were down in that one, and I I keep feeling like every time I watch Toronto, and I've been watching a good chunk of them this season because I didn't much last year. It, it it's it's not for lack of potential, you know. Like it's in many ways, I feel like the results. I mean, I can't say they're not fair, but it feels like Toronto's a little hard done by. Because, like you say, a game like this, looking like they're going to escape with a point against a much better team with much more depth. Um, and then it just is like just kind of a lapse in judgment. But also it's a really good goal right at the end off a corner to to seal their fate. and And that seems to kind of be the story for toronto this season lots of promise lots of great young players lots of speed but just you know the final ball's not quite there the decision making isn't as quick as it needs to be and and that's what you would expect from younger players right but um it just sort of keeps seeming to be that toronto can play reasonably well in a game and then still lose it (laughs) um it's been
0: tough days for them don't look now, um, but Cincinnati is on a four game winning streak. They beat Chicago two one that did rely on an own goal that was unfortunate um a goal's that. a
1: goal andrew
0: that's correct <laughs> um but yeah like that's that's uh since he's in six they're in the they're above the line.
1: you love to see it i think i mean uh, okay, does that surprise you?
0: Um, I don't think it should, given the the quality of the players that they have. Um, I guess it surprises me because, um, unfortunately, Cincinnati has that history of adding up to be less than the sum of its parts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly given (laughs) the way things have gone for them, I guess it's surprising when it's the team that's finished dead last at least two years in a row, possibly three. Um... But yeah, they've made huge improvements, and I, I feel like they finally have a much more right combination of, of those pieces that actually feel like it builds up to a team. And dare I say it, team chemistry? Like, they they have link-up play now. Do people know oh, no, Cincinnati has link-up oh, play no. and can, like, carve through a defense? Like, it, it's not devastating, but it, it can be pretty effective. That's pretty impressive. It, it,
0: you've, gotta, you know, you've got to uh, take the little victories um, where you can get them, and, and, and I'm not even suggesting it's a little victory to be in that position. That's good. That's good.
1: No, and I mean, I think it also makes the East really interesting, because if you're a Columbus or a New England, you got to be thinking, like, come on, there's no way we're not going to end up in the the top seven of the league. But when you look at the teams above them, You know, Atlanta's been struggling and they're right on the the cusp there, but they're starting to put together performances and Joseph Martinez is getting back into training. So, like, it's kind of one of those things where the more it goes on, you're like, well, the East changes dramatically when you have Cincinnati above the playoff line and performing well. Not just, Um, not just to pray. All of a sudden those spots aren't so secure. Not
0: just to pray for, pray to, uh, you know, Joseph and hope he comes back, but also doesn't hurt. I would say that the looking over this table, that's a the the, the the idea of, you know, the the complexion of the table changing dramatically is I is I think like a really fun thing about this season is that um without obviously I mean Chicago, Toronto and, and Vancouver have had pretty, you know, negative starts and, and I don't think that like, you know, Maybe outside of those three, but maybe also just us in San Jose. That like there haven't been. There's a lot of there's a lot of jumbling. There's a lot of teams that are that are low, but just because they're low, people don't think like, um, oh my god, it's the end of the the road for them. They think like, how weird, New England's in eleventh. Weird, you know, like 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 it's Mm -hmm. it's we're in an interesting point where some teams that aren't usually at the at the top. Are um are doing well. Some teams that usually are up there are are doing poorly, and and it's sort of a bit a uh, a part of the the intriguing, I guess, churn to 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 speculate as to why and to into and, and as to whether or not there there's going to be, you know, further table mobility.
1: Yeah, I just accidentally clicked on the thing and did did something that revealed. An interesting note to me about the Eastern Conference is I just clicked on goals against and accidentally sorted it least to most because I was looking for most. And when you do that, Chicago is uh, actually kind of on the just on the cusp of the playoff line. They've only given up 16 goals. So another another piece of the puzzle to add to the Eastern Conference and to the case for Chicago Fire is that defensively, if they can start scoring more, more goals and, and getting a few more wins, again, can make the East very difficult for your New Englands and Columbuses and your DCs that right now are sitting outside of the playoff picture. Lots can happen, though. Lots can happen. The season's still young. But yeah, it's been interesting. There's a, I feel like there's a good mix in each conference, right? Like some teams you would expect are there and then a few teams that have been struggling are there.
0: Um, until uh, next week, and we see more of that. Uh, oh, do you have anything else you wanna you want to get to before we?
1: Uh, oh, the one thing, just a bit of news that I thought was worth mentioning: um, Miles Robinson out for the season with a ruptured Achilles. Obviously, that sucks for the U.S. Men's National Team and for Atlanta, but also Miles, I feel you, buddy. Fuck, the worst industry, worst injury ever. Um, but we wish him well in his recovery. And then also an interesting trade happened that kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Chase Gasper was traded from Minnesota to LA Galaxy for some GAM. I feel like this is a, a pretty good deal for both teams. Gasper, I felt like, had been good at Minnesota, but maybe stagnated a bit. And LA Galaxy gets a solid player that can score goals. So anyway, that, those are my last points. I wanted to squeeze nice. in. Until next week, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. And you can find this podcast at That's So MLS.com and on Apple Podcasts. And wherever else you find your fine podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find you? You can find
0: me online on Twitter at TeamBates, www.team-bates.com and until next week don't uh don't have four players sent off in the same match
1: <laughs> in the same phase of play